then yeah, you can just focus on that patient care. I think there's other kind of higher arching things that come into play where you don't have control over it. But, um, you know, when you have to think about, oh man, you know, is this care even worth my time to deliver, you know, or yeah. Now the reality is, is that we don't, we don't think about that when the patient's in our chair, right. Just because you're in private practice, but those are things that are on your mind now that not that it's going to impact your care, but it's on your mind now. And it wasn't before because <clears throat> you didn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You're, <laughs> I was a little bit more prone to go Omaha.com and start reading articles on Scott Frost and Cornhusker <laughs> football when I was an associate. And now I've got a second between patients and I ain't got time for that. No. I got other stuff I got to do. And, and so, but that's been fun. It's been really interesting just to learn to reorient. What are your, what's your priority? And I think too, to camp out on that for one second, have you ever read the book, um, Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism? You know what? So weird. So Brian Regan, um, Brian Regan, who was one of the guys that was, kind of principled in tier science mm-hmm. and helped tier science get sold to Johnson and Johnson now is I think the VP of, I don't know his official title, but he's at, he's at site sciences. And so I, I was talking to him in Denver this week and, uh, and he, that's, he, he, he recommended that book. It's on my audible right now from like two days ago. So it's so crazy. That's not a new book, is it? It's been it's out not. for a year two years, something like that. Yeah. Several it's years. So crazy. You mentioned that. It is literally, it's probably my favorite book. I've, I've probably read it five or six times. And in that book, he talks about, he, he talks about the absurdity of the word priorities and how the root word is defined. It should be singular priority. And the fact that we've turned it into a plural priorities is almost oxymoronic on its face. And that has been something that has been so helpful for me to really, you have got to constantly be thinking, what is essential? What can I, I mean, or, or um, is it Pareto's, the 80-20 rule? That has been, I have learned so much about that. That is so true of learning to figure out what are the, t- what are the things that are valuable? What are the things that are actually um, most productive use of my time? And then cutting out everything else. Because there's all, that's one thing that I've learned about the practice, you know, it's cliche. People tell you all the time, Hey, you're be careful. Your practice, she'll take and take and take and take and take. And she'll, she'll never tell you that's enough. She'll, and, and I always, why is it a woman? Why is it a woman? Why is the practice a woman? Um, Couldn't it be a man? Cause uh, Couldn't my he wife take and take and take. <laughs> Charlotte, you know, as soon as I said, she, I thought uh, I made a, I might've messed that up. Um, so no, sorry, I interrupted. Drag, ahead, Chris, I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to go anymore. <laughs> no, you're saying you're no, saying it, how it'll just keep I going. You, found, can, you can imp- It's ne- if if you want it to be, it can absolutely be never ending, and it can absolutely take all of your time. It can take all of your resources. It can rob you of your time with your children, and you just got to fight against that. And, and because it really can also be simultaneously the thing that gives you all the freedom and all the time and all the flexibility. And so that's been interesting um, wrestling with that. Yeah, I think too, just understanding that there's seasons and that's so true in life. And I feel like as we've gotten quote unquote older and we've talked a lot to our, like our church friends about this, about how like there are definitely seasons of sprints and there are seasons of rest. And so understanding that that's normal, like that is the normal fluctuation of life as God designed it. 
Um, we have definitely been in a sprint, but we've gotten to the point where we just hired an employee who has been really helpful with some of the backend paperwork, ordering insurance stuff. Um, and so I feel like we're sort of entering into this time where we can not be here every weekend and not be here three nights a week, just do an inventory or just doing some of the nitty gritty stuff that at first you have to do. And just understanding that like, yeah, we got to do this now, but this is not going to be, but this is not how, why we set up the practice. And we will set it up differently because that's not what we, how we want to practice and how we want to live. Hello and welcome to the Chris Wolf Podcast on iCode Media. Today, I had a great conversation with Drs. Charlotte and Eric Ablett about the opening of their new practice. It, um, it was a really fun conversation because we kind of discussed the evolution of, they've been in practice for a long time, they're really great docs, they've got a lot of speaking experience, and um, and how they made the transition from being an employed OD into being a, a private practice owner and accelerating that process. I think the key points for me were one, they're great docs. Two, and probably most important, is not just being a good clinician, uh, and a good person, but they were really involved in their community and they had been for a long time and they chose to practice in a community that they were really familiar with. And I think that's been um, one of the take homes for me with their success, which was pretty neat to hear. Uh, so anyway, please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review and share it with your friend and support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, CooperVision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight one-day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by CooperVision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single-vision one-day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. You have 10 to 6? Yeah. At first it was 10 to 7, but it wasn't fun to work till 7, so we stopped. <laughs> no. You guys working on Saturdays? Nope. Chris, you, uh, you'll you appreciate this story. Because I don't know if you remember that email that you and I had, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago. No, it was longer than that. We were um, where it was, you know, sort of this idea of not train your patients, but this idea of the expectations that you set for them are important. And I worked one Saturday. It was a Saturday where I got, I had got a phone call the night before. A friend wanted to go duck hunting. There was, the Cornhuskers were playing the next day. I mean, I had all this stuff going on, and it was just, it was demoralizing. And so I worked the one Saturday, and I missed all those things. And we literally, I called that website people. I told Charlotte we changed. It. I'm like, we're never doing that again. So we literally worked one Saturday, and haven't worked a Saturday since. And, uh, very good, for good you. decision. Thanks for the insight. Did you? You know, when you, are you guys on call? Yes. Do you take call? Yes. All the time? Yes. I mean, that's my that's my excuse, right? To my patients. If my patients were gonna ask me about that, which they never do, but my my, what I would tell them is, I'm always accessible if you really have to see me. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think it's a great decision on your part. You know, we actually- Has it hurt you, you think? We had a couple people ask, I've had a couple people push back and be like, well, I sure wish you were open on Saturday. And I've looked at them. And I said, do you want to work on Saturday? <laughs> like yeah. I've got multiple children who are involved in things and a family and we like to hike and go to the mountains. And 
Um, and they're like, Oh wow. No, I don't want to work on Saturday. I'm like, I don't either. <laughs> so, I mean, that's been, that's been an easy answer. I think, sorry, what was your question? No, I just, just that, just that. Did you guys have any pushback or do you think it's hurt the practice at all? Not really. And I think one of the reasons we didn't is because exactly what you said, there, there was never, we didn't create a year or two of expectation, you know, that we've never been open other than that one day. And so I think that's helpful. That has been very helpful as opposed to having to undo that down the road after you've created that expectation. So I, maybe some pushback, but very minimal. I think yeah. the type of people that came in on Saturday were very different than our week clientele too. It was really obvious that those people wanted their prescription. They wanted their contact prescription. They were going to go on, online. Um, we sold very few like glasses, like um, frames and lenses that day and even contacts. And so we were kind of like, no, this isn't kind of what we're about. They didn't clearly want a relationship with us. It was the opposite of what we're trying to create at our practice. So it was a pretty easy decision. It's been nice. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I know. I mean, I wish more people would listen to that. I think you, it, it goes along with, with everything. I mean, not like listen to that for, because it's from me. I just that take that advice of, you know, and I actually got it from my dad. You know, he, he, that was kind of his philosophy for a long time. And I think, you know, you, it, it, it trickles down to like everything you do, what insurance plans you take, what hours you're going to maintain, what, um, you know, how far are you going to go to try to get a patient, right? Just a patient in the door. So, um, so I think all of those things, if you have really, just like the rest of your life, if you have good principles and you stick to those principles, then the decisions you make are easy. Um, so I think too, are there anything else like that? That Yeah, go ahead. Well, I would just, I think too, like, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. I, I know where I was going. I'll be finish your thought and then I'll, <laughs> I was, I was staring at one quick story is one of the, one of our, uh, primary marketing, uh, aims has been that we open right next to a Chick-fil-A and that now a biscuit company or biscuit Vale has opened right next to it. And so there is just a constant influx of traffic. And I was literally staring out the window trying to figure out if there was more people at Chick-fil-A or a biscuit bill this morning. <laughs> so which is it? It's definitely biscuit bill. Yeah. But by 11 o'clock, the Chick-fil-A line is going to be, I mean, it's out onto the main road. It's crazy. Chris, I, I remember what I was going to say it's sort of this, um, this idea of you think you think as we're talking about Saturdays um, and you think of why did we do what we did? Why do we open a practice? It's always been something we've wanted to do. We've talked about it for 10 years and there's multiple reasons. One of the reasons is kind of this idea of autonomy or um, designing lifestyle design and it lit to go, well, why are you doing what you're doing? And one is freedom and autonomy to have time with kids and sports and traveling and well, working Saturdays may be somewhat productive to the bottom line, but it totally flies in the face of the primary aim of starting the practice in the first place. So it's like, why? Because we started doing that. Like, what do we want? What are, what are we trying to create? Well, then we found that, well, we want this, but we're making decisions that are contradictory to that or don't take us to that um, end result. And so that's just something I was thinking about with the, the Saturday. It was the same thing with that seven o'clock night because you worked one seven o'clock night um, and I worked um, a seven o'clock tonight, two nights a week when I was pregnant, I think with our third kid and I'd get home at like seven 30 and I'd miss dinner and we're like, no, this is just not what we're about. And then you did the same thing. You were getting home at seven 30 or eight and it was like bedtime. And 
I don't know, we only have our kids at home for a certain amount of years and family dinners are really important to us. And sacrificing that one night a week was just, like you said, lifestyle design. We were like, why are we opening a practice? Who cares if it, if it's one less patient, two less patient, it's worth, it's not worth it. So. Did, um, when, well, tell me about when you started thinking about opening a practice, what was the, what was the fire that finally after 10 years ignited to make you do it? Mm, that's a really good question. That is really interesting. I think it's very multifaceted. You know, like I said, we've always talked about it. We met in optometry school in Chicago. And I mean, I really remember conversations before we were even married about wanting to have a private practice. Um, the, I mean, there, it, one was the guy that we worked for. Um, he sold the private equity. Um, and that, that actually was a little bit of fuel from a couple of different avenues. One, we saw how this guy started this practice like five or six years ago and he sold it and made all this money. That's really intriguing. Uh, but then two, he sold it and now we work for private equity and that's not that intriguing for, for many reasons. Well, um, so go into that real quick. What, I mean, not to, you don't have to back private equity, but what was your, on your thought of, of that second level? What was not intriguing about it? What, what made you concerned about that aspect? I think one thing for me, if I can cut in real quick, when, when they sold, I would look at my schedule that was done by somebody in Minnesota or something and some call center somewhere. And I had shoulder surgery in February, which made this whole process really fun. I was immobile for like 10 weeks. And so I remember my first, one of my first days back where I still didn't have hardly any mobility. Well, I did work in a sling a couple of times. That was fun but I had a patient scheduled every 10 minutes and the patients where we worked down there are really complicated. A lot of times, like I had a guy with multiple foreign bodies in both eyes and I've got one arm and he's in a 10 minute slot. Hmm. And it was just really obvious. They didn't really care. They were just looking at the numbers of the practice. And it's not that they didn't care about me. Cause like I just hustled and I did it right. It was fine. I was a little late, but it was fine. It's that they don't care about the patients. And that's like, why do we go to optometry school to not to give this guy four minutes in my chair to get metal out of his eye? Absolutely not. So I think that it was just like that carelessness. And um, I, at the same time, knowing that our bosses are somebody we'll never meet. Like we're answering to this guy who will never even probably talk to, you know, so just in, really impersonal. It's interesting though, because I think there are a lot of benefits. I mean, they come in and they buy an Optos the first day and they bring in infrastructure and uh, resources that we, we didn't have. And so there, there's definitely, there, there is a, also a component of you're going, wow, this is really easy. This is really nice. Um, but yeah, just to echo Charlotte, it's sort of the, one of the biggest, and, and I don't, that the reality is we had already made the decision um, to start the practice that, that we may be over uh, emphasizing how much that had to do with it, but it is interesting the the, the timing of it. Um, but I think one of the big things is like Charlotte said, it's a very, it's a really, it's a rural town. It's, it's kind of uh, Appalachia. It's very um, blue collar, low income. Um, there's a lot of pathology and, and it, you're, you're sort of getting this um, square peg in a round hole when they, they, they have practices all over the country. It's a huge organization. Uh, and I, I think really it's a good organization in terms of continuing medical optometry and things of that nature. But um, it, it just, they, they come in and they, implement this process well that process doesn't really fit at all in that location and that that, that just created a lot of headaches and and speed bumps and the staff's not happy that you know just the, the typical nothing's going to change 
and nothing does change the first couple of days. And then there's kind of this slow drip of this changes. And, and, um, but there, there's a ton to it. And the, the, my other f- quick point is we also always had a baby in the house and the idea of starting to practice while having a baby um, didn't always seem, didn't seem that appealing. So our youngest is three now. So a lot of it was timing with kids. Yeah. And there's just a ton of factors. Yeah. One other big factor was we had the opportunity to work together down in this rural town um, for years. And so, cause we were like, okay, we do the same thing. We complement each other well in life, obviously like we have a healthy marriage and can we complement each other well in a business environment? Cause we'd never worked together ever until I started working down um, at that practice in rural North Carolina when our third was born. So we've been working together for three years and we were like, Hey, this is fun. It works. It's nice to be able to pop in on patients. And, um, and that definitely fueled um, like how well we worked together on opening the practice. I feel like um, there were certain, there are certain things that Eric is way better than me at. And there are things that I enjoy more. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily better at, but there's things I enjoy more. She's and better at most things. No, that's I, not true. That, yeah. But when we, when we got like our checklist of all the things that we had to do to open the practice, we never had to sit down and say, okay, you do this one. I'll do this one. You do this one. I'll do this one. And that was like really cool. Cause I had friends ask like, how do you divide up the work? And I've always said, it just kind of fell and it, and it's fell really evenly in terms of what our other life responsibilities also. Um, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything that, that I, that he would be better at than I would. Like I did all the insurance credentialing, for example, um, for all the medic, for all the uh, not medical plans, we used someone for that, but for all the vision plans. And that was something that Eric was like, you can, you can do that, you know, cause I just kind of started doing it. So I think that the way that work fell worked out really well and us working together for three years definitely helped real us realize what we would be better at. That's one of those things that I would just be really encouraging to Charlotte with things like insurance credentialing. Cause clearly <laughs> I, I don't want to do that at all. So babe, you're so good at this. Like I just, this is in your wheelhouse. I'm so excited that you want to do this. And, uh-huh, yeah. um, but it, that has been, man, it's been crazy. It's a lot of work. It's been, um, a blessing. I, I, uh, it's, it would be hard to do this all by yourself. Yeah. I mean, obviously doable, but the, for us to be able to split it, I mean, we haven't just done split it in half, but, um, that has been so nice and so helpful, but you got to fight against this idea that there's at sometimes at nine o'clock at night when we're at the house and it's like, okay, take off your business hat, yeah. business partner hat. You, you, we need to still be married and, yeah working on our marriage and talking about things that have nothing to do with optometry and practicing. So that's been a battle is to fight against that. Um, and, and, th- and there's a part where we're just grinding right now. We just started. It has to be that way. Uh, but it's designed is to create some space. So we have more freedom down the road to focus do, on stuff like that. Do you worry that, so you brought up the point about, you know, stopping at some point. Um, and, you know, to a large degree, even my wife, who's not an optometrist, uh, it's hard for me to not, you know, it's, it's hard for us to not have conversations about the businesses and about, you know, optometry and those sorts of things. Um, but I'd imagine it's probably harder for you all. When you think about your practice uh, and then the hours that you have, um, is it, you know, in my practice now, you know, my, my, my dad, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad's there. We have Dr. Lindsay is there as well. And so if I'm gone this week, you know, that there's always coverage all five days of the week there's coverage. And so actually that's been a little bit of a, uh, an, an inhibitor for like for us to go on vacation with my parents. Cause the one thing that's in the back of my mind is like, well, if, if I'm not there there and my dad's not there, 
then it's just Dr. Lindsay the whole week. And so, um, so like, it's fine. She can handle it. But, um, but I just like, from a financial standpoint, I'm not just worried about like, if I take the time off, I'm worried about if he's taking the time off as well. Um, do you guys ever think about that where, where you're like, man, we're, we're never going to be able to take a vacation or we, we, try not, we try not to think about it. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> no, well, now you got to think about it. Well, because I think like what you said, lifestyle design, like we realized that we're going to have to make a big sacrifice a couple weeks a year where we literally don't see patients in the office, but who cares? We want to go back to Nebraska and see Eric's family. Like that's just going to be a priority. Sure. We're going to lose lots of revenue that week, but again, who cares? It's just money, um, family and relationships and traveling and our kids spending time with their grandparents and their cousins is so much more important than that. Um, so yeah, it's, I also, I also think that it, the answer is dependent on who you ask the question to. She doesn't, I highly doubt that Charlotte thinks about that as much as I do. I think about it all the time. Does the money side of things like 100%. So I'm like, how are we doing? <laughs> are you making any money? I don't know. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that we, that honestly, there were, you think about, you talk about earlier, what are the reasons, what are the things that made you make the decision to start the practice? Well, there's also the other, the other end of the question is what are the things that caused you to wait so long? And one of the things that I always thought about was that exact issue. Um, like she mentioned, my family's in Nebraska. We'd like to go back and visit them as much as possible. Uh, and we love to do a ton of other things. And so, I mean, that, that sort of is a question that is evolving. We're answering it as we go. Long term, the strategy would absolutely be uh, an associate uh, or a partner or whatever, uh, what, what have you. Um, but it's a difficult thing to navigate. And we kind of decided that in the first you know, year to 18 months, we were going to pick a couple different things, um, but then just say, hey, we got to be here. We can't be going on tri trips right now. And, um, and it's been growing. And so we're, we're, it's been fun to start thinking, what does it look like in three or four years with an associate, maybe two associates? And, um, but yeah, we, I think about that all the time, big time. Yeah. And when we go out of town together, it stinks, but it's nice that we both um, are able to fill each other's roles when we're here because like, for example, you had a couple of doctor's appointments one day and it wasn't a day where I was seeing patients and I just came and worked all day. So that flexibility really does help a lot. Um, and that's really nice that we can cover for each other. And I don't work every day and I just, I don't work anywhere else now. I only work here. We got, so we got busy and I, I dropped my Friday, my last day in that rural community. And I was so excited about having another day with the kids this summer. And then we have this huge demand and we were booked out for way too many days. And I had to, now I'm working here Friday, which is great for now. Um, Cause it's the summer and I don't have as many demands on um, with the kids. Two of our children will be in a hybrid homeschool program. So I do need to be home quite a bit doing that. Um, but being able to help Phil both do the same thing has been really nice. Have you guys talked to, you've probably talked, I know you've talked to Kyle Cludy about that. His, his son is in a hybrid homeschool mm -hmm. program too. Is that one of the things that you guys that kind of helped you along knowing that that was going to be a, a good program or I know it's totally different States and totally different programs, but did you guys ever talk about that? Yeah. We talked to him about it a lot. We did. Yeah. We, we not to get into all the weeds, but we actually almost moved back to Nebraska a couple different times over the past several years. And that exact school and having conversations with Kyle and Lauren um, were two very appealing things. And mm -hmm. then we got wind of one here and we're like, Oh, that's great. Um, and so, yeah, that, that has absolutely all played into it. Yeah. Definitely. And even, I mean, all the way into the details of how the schedule is set up and when I'm here versus when she's here and when mm -hmm. she, that's all kind of, which is really nice. That goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. Why'd you do this? 
we, we get it now that we are the practice owners, we get to create these mm-hmm. spaces. Um, we, we can take our kids to school and pick them up from school. Yep. Yeah. Did you, um, so the, the thing that we were talking about as far as like taking time off, you know, Ted McElroy, um, he does, he's in South Georgia, he's in Tifton, Georgia, <clears throat> and he's got an associate. She may even be, she may even be a partner. I can't remember. I hope, hope I'm sure he'll correct me. But anyway, um, he took the entire month of April off this year. And his plan is to do it every year, I think, now, assuming that it worked this year. But I think building what you are saying is building in the time into the rest of the year with the understanding that, look, we're going to take these, these weeks off or these, these specific times off. And so the, the whole practice knows. I mean, like, look, we're going to be really busy. When, when the ablets are here, we're going to be really busy. This is the norm. So when, when we're slow because we're taking, you know, a Friday off or a week off or whatever, that that's not the norm. Because I think what happen, what can happen is staff and teams can, can kind of look at you once you, when you are getting really busy and being like, man, we don't have enough help. It's like, no, you have enough help. This is what it should feel like when we're really firing on all cylinders as opposed to like being kind of this slow trickle of people in or, or kind of this slower pace because, you know, we're, we're kind of recovering from a COVID downturn, you know, from, from April. <clears throat> but I just think it's, it's interesting to sort of have that mentality to prepare that, you know, when the ablets are in office, we're going to be really busy. That's what it should feel like. And then being able, like you're doing, to say, well, we're going to take another day. Like Charlotte has Fridays off. We're really backed up. Let's plug Charlotte in on this day. So, Eric, are you working outside of the practice? I do. I still work two days a week. Um, I've been slowly phasing that back. Uh, and then when school ramps back up here in the fall, I'll probably go down to one day a week. And then probably, hopefully by the first of the year, I'll be, be, be able to be completely here. But yeah, currently two days a week. Um, at Is that one year in? Are you guys one year in yet? No. Nine months? December. Um, About six months. Yeah, is when we first started. And I, you know, That's honestly, pretty awesome. It, it really is. And that was absolutely not the plan. Um, I mean, I was expecting. Not the plan. It was the ideal, though. <laughs> sure. Sure. But, well, no, I, but, I but you know, eye care advisors, you know, Eric, um, Eric Bass and um, yep. Steinmetz, they, their advice. I mean, I, I was listening to them um, recently and they say, you know, you don't even expect to make any money from your practice or like have the practice like 18 months minimum. Right. So yep. you guys are way ahead of the game. Yeah, we were, we were in a really unique position. This area doesn't have a whole lot of eye doctors. There's a big demand. There's a practice down the road, our biggest competitor. They actually aren't taking new patients because they don't have room. They're only seeing their existing patients. So when people call them, they have sent us dozens of patients. They'll say, we can't see you, but try New Garden Eye Care. <laughs> and so they'll send them here, which is really cool. And we get referrals from some of the ophthalmologists because we've been in this area for so many years. We've created relationships with these people. Um, before we opened in December, Uh, the office phone was sent to my cell phone just to put it somewhere, right? Which was crazy. It rang 10 times a day sometimes. So we opened with this list of like probably a hundred people who were like, well, I can't get in anywhere else. Yeah. Call me when you open and we'll schedule. So when we opened, we were, we were like super full for the first, you know, few weeks. And then we were like, okay, let's just do these few weeks. And then we'll kind of figure out some of these little things that are going wrong and that are difficult. Um, And we thought it would slow down and it hasn't. And then we were like, oh, in the spring, it'll slow down. And it hasn't. And it's just been, uh, it's been really cool. We, we have not had very many open appointment slots on any days ever. 
which has been just really crazy. It has been really we, we worked with Eric and Bob, I care advisors, and, and they've been absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, they made our lives so much easier. Yes. That, that cannot be overstated. We had a call with Dr. Steinmetz the other day. You know, obviously, having never done this before, we're looking at numbers and I'm going, well, I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're busier than I thought we would be. But what do these actually mean? And and that, and that was a conversation that we had is that we've we and this is not any sort of um self-promotion, you know, self-glorifying, but like what Charlotte said, there's just a huge need one in the state of North Carolina in general, but then in Greensboro, there's a huge need because a lot of the kids that do come out want to be in Charlotte and Raleigh. And there's just, is a gigantic need. And, and we're already talking about, well, do we get an associate? Do we open a second practice? Um, and part of the problem is more not, is it, is not a problem with can we find an, enough patients? It's can you find an associate doctor who wants to come in? Can you recruit someone? So um, that's face. So now's the time. Yeah, now's I know. Now's the time. I mean, you think about it. If if you are on pace, I mean, I'm sure they're coaching you through this, but it would seem to me that that you would be you'd be able to look back over your growth and the continued growth you're having and be able to predict that you know. Charlotte's going to be as busy as she wants to be. Eric's going to be as busy as he wants to be at this time. Now you get a certain, now the practice gets to serve your, the, the lifestyle that you want. I mean, it could be that, you know, next May, a new graduate m- might be good or f- the following May. Right. So like, it's hard because you, you know, it's not like hiring another employee. Typically, <clears throat> you know, you hire, you hire a team member that's not a doctor and you want somebody that's, that's really uh, fresh and, you know, enthusiastic and, whether young or old doesn't really matter, but you can hire them anytime, right? You just find the right person. But if you want to get somebody that's, that has some of those same characteristics, you may want to be looking right out of school and there's one time a year you get a look, you know? Yeah. And so, so you should, I mean, have you guys plotted out when you would need or be able to, to have another, an associate? I mean, it's, it's May, it's May. It's yeah. a year from now, right? Yeah, it is. We, you know, we thought about it. It's been a moving target. I mean, because the, it's just been way busier than, than we thought. And so, but we have talked and, and Charlotte has a really unique opportunity. Um, she lectures for KMK. And so she has the ability to get in front of a bunch of students. And um, we've actually already had some communication with some folks uh, at different schools, just with um, the relationships that she's been able to form. And so we, we're already starting that Um that, that honestly, Chris, though, that's something that's like really hard for me to wrap my head around because I see that and I can project that out. But then I'm going, wait a minute, dude, you literally just started. Mm-hmm. How can you, are you seriously thinking of, I mean, we were, I'm going to email um, the landlord later this week because the space next door is still open. And I'm going to talk to him about right of first refusal because never in a million years did I think that, but I'm going, holy cow, we're, we're absolutely going to outgrow the space before the lease term is up. That's for sure. But we're likely to outgrow it a lot faster than I thought we would. Um, And so that's, that's fun to be forward thinking. Um, It's a, it's a new concept for me, but um, it's, uh, it's absolutely something on the radar for sure. It's crazy because it's tempting for me to be like, well, I'll just work more. I'll just work more. And then I get into that and I've done that um, as we, there's been a lot of demand these first few months and I've worked more than I, wanted to. And I, you know, I look at that and I'm like, Oh, that'll be fine. Sure. I'll work every day that week. We'll do school at night. No big deal. 
that is a big deal. <laughs> when you have a six-year-old boy and you're like, sit down and do your math worksheets at 7.30 after dinner. That's not Done. cool. So I think, yeah, when you look at it, you're like, I can work more. I can do that. But like he said, that's not why we open to practice. And that's not the lifestyle we want. And that's not what we want for our kids. And ultimately, they obviously come before the practice. So, um, yeah, thinking about an associate is definitely on the horizon. Another unique thing about North Carolina is just with the board, it's very difficult. Um, one, you got the once a year kids graduating, but North Carolina has a pretty difficult board that's only offered twice a year. And and it's also has a pretty low pass rate. And so there's a ton of variables, even considering that it's like, well, what if we find someone and then we set everything up and then they fail their board and they have to wait six months. Yeah. And so hmm. those are all things to navigate as well. It's not quite like, um, some of the other states who I would have practiced in where it's kind of, Hey, cut, cut him a $15 check and you got your license and you're seeing patients the next day. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's obviously more to that cause they got to look at your board scores and oh, yeah, yeah. pass the board. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah I mean, yeah, a little tongue you know, cheek. it, uh, I mean, it's really interesting that, so I, what I would like to do is kind of just take a little bit of a step back because, you know, the experience you're having is not the experience that everybody has, you know, they have slower growth. They have to, they have to be much more, um, com committed is not the right word. They have to be, um, you know, you guys get to step back. I'm, I'm not picking on you, but you get to reap the benefits, but it's obviously because you've done a hard, a lot of hard work. So that can get blurred and like, Oh, well, they just picked a good town. I mean, that's part of it. Um, so, if you could encourage, so how far for, for, I don't, cause I don't know for Greensboro, how far are you from the places people want to be? Charlotte, you said Charlotte and Raleigh. About in North Carolina? Yeah, that's correct. Raleigh's about 90 minutes. They're both, they're both about 90 minutes away. So, but, but that 90 minute difference has made the difference. What I'm trying to get at is that 90 minute for what, for what I'm hearing from you, from your perspective, that 90 minute difference makes all the difference in your ability to, to kind of hit the ground running because you got great advisors and, and all that sort of thing versus putting it 90 minutes to where they want to be and then struggling for, for the first few years. Is that, is that accurate? I think that's a, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of it. And when we work with Eric and Bob, um, we, Greensboro is the area that was number one on the list, but we had them do geospatial analysis for several different places. Other areas in Greensboro, we had them looking at places in Nebraska. Uh, and, and they all came back the same of like, holy cow, it's not even close. Greensboro is the spot. And not only that, but like, it just so happens that the zip code in Greensboro is the zip code that you live in. And it's like two minutes down the road from your house. You, that, and, and then there's a shopping center here that was, it was nice. It became a little bit dilapidated. Trader Joe's came in. We got wind that Trader Joe's was coming in. They brought in the Chick-fil-A's right across the street. And it's sort of one of those things where you, you let the smart people do the, the uh, research for you. Uh, and then you kind of jump in on the coattails. And that's a, that's a lot of it um, for sure. And so um, there's obviously a ton to it, but that is a huge piece of it. Are there a lot of opportunities um, like that? Is your perspective is not just across? Well, let me ask you in, in North Carolina specifically, lots of opportunities like what you've got within relative, you know, proximity to a place that everybody wants to go or visit or be that's livable. And I mean, there's got to be other places like this in North Carolina 
there probably are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Winston-Salem is really basically the same town as Greensboro. It's 30 minutes down the road, high point. Um, there's some coastal towns. There's some mountain towns. I think so. And I don't, I mean, I have not sat down and, and, and looked specifically at Charlotte and Raleigh. I think there's a component where, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know specifically those two towns, but absolutely in other parts of North Carolina, there are similar opportunities. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. I mean, the hard thing is that you guys are, I mean, I'm saying this in all in complete uh, truth is that there's a lot of things about you guys. I mean, you're, you're stars, right? It's your stars in the profession. Uh, patients will gravitate to that. So, but, but that's not all that that's required is I guess what I'm trying to figure out or kind of tease out and, and like that is going to serve you really well, but then also, um, you guys were smart in picking a specific location that will do, will allow you to excel even further, right? Quicker. And, and I guess, you know, I just, it's just, um, so it seems like to me location, who you are, and then that's it, really? I think being connected to the community has been huge, too. Because um, I grew up okay. here, so my whole family's from here. And my dad is a ah. home builder. And he's just celebrated 40 years of being a home builder in the area. And he's pretty well known, I mean, for this area. Um, and he actually built our practice, which is really cool. Um, that's why it's kind of fancy. <laughs> which, yeah, looks nice. I'm not fancy, but he was like, let's do this and let's do this. And it's been, it's turned out really cool. Um, and also our church, our church has grown. We've been a part of it really since it was like a hundred people and it's grown to a, a few thousand people. And we've been connected since, um, I mean, for, since we've lived here for seven years, eight years, uh, that's been huge too. So just, just being, um, just having our friends here and our, our small group and our church family and my family, that's been big. That is a big component. Like I said, with the practices just down the road from our house, we've lived in that house for like six years. And so I've been literally driving 30 minutes to this rural community um, all the while building relationships and connections here. Like she said, we've been going to the same church for seven years. Kids are gotten involved in sports. Another thing that has been super helpful. And I, this has been a surprise to me, Chris, but um, we, the practice that we are, that Charlotte is now phased out of and I'm phasing out of um, very, very busy. If you call today to schedule an appointment, you cannot get in until March. And so even though it's 30 Whoa. minutes, yeah, March, yeah. For, in that, for a while there was three doctors and we were all three booked out. That and far. I think my schedule is still full till March and they're just hoping they're going to find somebody to work those days. Is this, is this the practice that's seeing patients every 10 minutes? Yes. And now you're like, no wow. wonder. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. And so, it, yeah, that's a different story. But one thing that has been very surprising is I've seven years of seeing patients I have seen so many people follow from that practice and that's not uh, one. Maybe that's because they like the care that they received. I think a lot of it is they don't almost don't have an option, which I feel bad. And all I mean by that is I'm not going to be there. They just got booted down the road nine months. They need a, to get their eyes checked or had their glaucoma work up and their only option is to follow us. And, and so that was not something that we really thought about, but a lot of our, um, I don't know if I could put a percentage on it. Maybe 5%. Oh, no, it's more, 10%. way more than but that. But Eric, it's not out of lack of option. It's because of you. It's you. They're following you. Yeah, I think that's, you know, they, that they would still go, yeah, you're underselling yourself. Yeah. They would still go. Everybody hey, says that. 
So most it, most optometrists don't drink pink drink from a, <laughs> from a shaky bottle. I thought no one was supposed to know about this, Chris. <laughs> they, they They're not going to see the video because I'm in a baseball cap and a beard <laughs> at a lake. So I won't tell you what's in the pink drink. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. The, tell Chris. Tell Chris. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday, I was at the playground. I was drinking like out of this. I was drinking like electrolytes because I'd had a hard workout and I hadn't eaten yet. And <laughs> Malachi's like, "Can I?" He's our three-year-old. Mommy, can I have some of your water? And I was like, "It's not water." I look over. There's an older couple sitting with their car doors open, looking at me. <laughs> and he was like, "What is it?" And I didn't see him yet. And I was like, "It's it's just mommy's drink." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock in the morning." We're biking at the playground, and these people think that I'm drinking like white wine out of my Yeti. It was so funny. It's mommy drink. Yeah, it's just mommy drink. That's what that is. It's just daddy's drink. That's hilarious. Did you um? So, can, in North Carolina, do they have alcohol? Can you buy alcohol and liquor in your grocery store? No, not um, liquor. Not just liquor. ABC beer. stores. You got to go to the um, the special. Okay. They got to get their tax revenue, Chris. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy because we were in, so this summer we've been in Florida, Kansas, um, Florida, Kansas. Now, Minnesota, there was another state that we were in and every single one of them, you've got to buy, to buy liquor. You have to go to a different place. And so we were up here in Minnesota and Minnesota was surprising to me because Nebraska is not like that. Eric, you and I growing up in Nebraska, you couldn't buy alcohol until noon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But in, uh, in Minnesota, we were at, we were just at a, um, a grocery store when we got here and, uh, all I, all I was getting was either something for old fashions or I wanted, uh, just, uh, like a, a beer. Yeah. <clears throat> so we were, I was giving the, <laughs> the checkout lady a hard time. I said, cause my wife, you know, Jamie's uh, pregnant with our night and oh, congr- uh, I didn't know that. Congratulations. Thanks. 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 So we were, we were both in line and, um, and I said to the lady, I go, you guys don't sell alcohol here. Do you? My wife really needs some. And, uh, she looked at Jamie, she really, she did Jamie like an up and down. She gave her a full scan up and down. And then she, she looked at me like if I, if I was, and I, I can say it pretty bit deadpan. And I go, no, she really, we really need to find a liquor store if, if you guys don't sell alcohol. And she was like, I was like, she needs some. And, and she, she kind of like, is he serious? And then Jamie kind of started laughing and, Anyway, but I was just surprised that, yeah, I mean, four states that are not geographically located near near each other are still have those laws. Yeah, it's a pretty strong lobby. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember that. You, you go to the uh, pump and pantry, Bosselman's in Nebraska, you get your gas and your donut, and you get your little shooter of Jose Cuervo, <laughs> and you're on with your day. You, yeah, can't, like you, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, so. So um, in the town we were in, I, I think it's, I can't remember what the town was, but guess where the liquor store was? Mm. Uh, of all the places it could be, where is it next to? Babies are us. I guess. Oh, that'd be good. I don't so know. no, it, it was in the same building as the DMV. Exact <laughs> same building. Liquor store, DMV. That's I, the only thing that was there. Oh my word. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, mommy's. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> You derailed the Charlotte. Sorry. Oh yeah. Mommy's drink. <laughs> the, um, well, I'll, uh, I'll be respectful of your time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because Kyle mentioned it to me, Kyle Cludy mentioned this to me that you guys are thinking about maybe doing a podcast about the granular details of your practice. That would be fun. Charlotte, Charlotte's like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. You didn't know about sure. this Charlotte? 
I think she, you mentioned she, it. She found out. She just you found out. It. No, I'm kidding. Carry on. <laughs> no, I think it would be a lot of fun to hear, you know, because one of the things that, that I, you know, that I, I'm not going to ask you, but, but because I want to be respectful, but from what it sounds like when Kyle talks about it is that you guys may actually kind of go into detail of like, okay, here's our metrics. Here's our numbers. This is what, um, this is what we're looking at. This is how we can know whether or not we're, we're growing the way we want to grow, et cetera. I think that would be really insightful to new, to new graduates and to doctors that are thinking about doing this because it's, you know, it's scary. You got to go to the bank and take out a huge loan. And um, what's, what's that cost and what should you spend money on and what shouldn't you spend money on? You know, you can go and spend millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars when you open up right away and stick everything in there. But is it necessary? And what kind of burden does that place on your practice? And and those are real things Mm -hmm. and kind of, kind of hearing people talk through that, I think would be interesting. So that would be just encouragement, Eric, if you want to do it. I'll have both you and Kyle on and, and, uh, and maybe promote it within the podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I, that stuff is fascinating to me. That that's probably been one of the things that's been most enjoyable is getting into the numbers, understanding, um, the business, um, you know, listen to guys like Mick Kling talk about profit first and, and just ways you structure your practice. So I would love that. I mean, I, I think, one thing I wonder, do people want to hear me talk about that? If they do, I'm, I'm an open book. I mean, I, I don't, I got nothing to hide. And if there's an opportunity um, to help other folks do the same thing, then, then let's, I'm all about it. And I, like I said, I go back to um, Bob and Eric and, and talking to Kyle Clutie, Kyle Cheatham and you, and man, I just having people have gone before you and having information, um, to glean from them is, is absolutely huge. It's absolutely paramount. Um, and, and it's made our life a lot easier. And I think it's one of the reasons we've been as successful, excuse me, as we have is um, we've been able to cherry pick uh, from people that are a lot smarter than us who've done it better than we have. And we kind of steal ideas from them and we'd love to, to pass that forward. Yeah. I think, I mean, if we had had somebody tell us some of the details about how, what you're going to have to learn, what you're going to have to do. That would have been beneficial and not because we could have done it better, but because we would have had our mindset. Right. Cause I feel like it was actually nice last year when everything kind of shut down for a while. That's when we really got into the meat of like doing all these credentialing, which takes forever and not just like on our end, but like the actual process takes forever. Um, so just doing a lot of that stuff was, it was really nice to have time to do it, but will that ever happen again? You know, you still have to maintain your busy life and do all those things. So to be able to talk to those details and to just, just tell, like you said, tell other people, like the stuff that you're going to have to learn about is like, you're going to memorize V codes. You never thought you'd have to memorize V codes. <laughs> and I know them all because I've done for a long time. I did all the orders and insurance claims, like up until a week or two ago, which is got to be a whole, a whole other job. Um, but just that expectation, just setting that expectation for folks who want to do this and not to deter anyone ever, because this has been incredible, but to encourage them and just say like, up front, it is stinking hard, but you have to know how to do all this. And then hopefully you'll be able to hire someone to do it, which we have recently done, which has been life-changing, but you still have to know how to do it because it's still your practice. And if that person goes away, you're doing it. Um, so just, yeah, just set up expectations would I think be beneficial, which we probably would have benefited from, but Bob and Eric were also really open about, you know, everything we had to do with our hundreds of things on that Asana checklist we had to go through. Yeah, that's, yeah. I would hire anyone who's listened to this, who's um, 
thinking about starting to practice, I would definitely encourage talking to them. They, oh, yeah. they have been, um, they deserve a lot of the credit in this entire thing. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I hear, I hear what they do. And, um, and I, I even think if I, I've said this before, but I mean, uh, I would even think if I wanted to start another practice, I might even want to use their system, right? Like, cause there's just things that, you, you know, as you, as you have a practice, you just think, well, it's, I have an N of one, right? Like we have a practice and N of one. My dad started, um, has had other practices, but like they've, they know what this is like, right? They've done hundreds of practices. And um, so they kind of get, they know what, what the pitfalls are going to be, what the things that you got to watch out for, the things to be thinking about ahead, ahead of time that I'm sure I wouldn't even think about even as a, as a longtime practice owner. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that's been really surprising for me, um, which this is probably my ignorance because in the, I don't know, what if I, I graduated eight years ago? So in the eight plus years I've been in practice, I've never done the number side of it, the in, insurance reimbursement, all that stuff. I think I thought we made more money. <laughs> I'm like looking at this like, okay, you bill 185 for an exam and 35 for a fraction. Good grief, that's $210. Wait a minute, Spectera just paid us 30 bucks? We had paid $30 for that eye exam. And I think too, just like even for glasses and contacts and all that, what you get reimbursed is just like, unbelievably small fraction of what you actually bill. So for me, that was like really frustrating because I was like, oh my gosh, we're never going to make any money. Um, and it is kind of a game, you know, you've got to do certain things with certain insurances, ultimately with the patient's well-being in mind. But um, that was one thing that I was just like, oh, I had no idea. We're just getting crapped on by <laughs> some of these insurance companies. You know, it is interesting. I mean, on the, on the plus side of, of being an associate or being employed by somebody else is that you really, I mean, in some ways, I, mean, I, I know that you can, people will knock private equity for this, but uh, I think this is actually kind of a testament to private equity, right? If, if all you do is have to care about what's, what patient is in your practice right now, you don't have to worry about, I'm assuming that you don't have to worry about any of the things that you're talking about, then, then yeah, you can just focus on that patient care. I think there's other kind of higher arching things that come into play where you don't have control over it. But, um, you know, when you have to think about, Oh man, you know, is this care even worth my time to deliver? You know, or yeah. Now the reality is, is that we don't, we don't think about that when the patient's in our chair, right? Just because you're in private practice, but those are things that are on your mind now that not that it's going to impact your care, but it's on your mind now. And it wasn't before because <clears throat> you didn't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. You're, <laughs> I was a little bit more prone to go Omaha.com and start reading articles on, Scott Frost and Cornish for football <laughs> when I was an associate. And now I got a second between patients and I ain't got time for that. No. I got other stuff I got to do. And, and so, but that's been fun. It's been really interesting just to learn to reorient. What are your, what's your priority? And I think too, to camp out on that for one second, have you ever read the book, um, Greg McEwen's book, Essentialism? You know what? So weird. So Brian Regan, um, Brian Regan, who was one of the guys that was, kind of principled in tier science mm -hmm. and helped tier science get sold to Johnson and Johnson now is I think the VP of, I don't know his official title, but he's at, he's at site sciences. And so I, I was talking to him in Denver this week and, uh, and he, that's, he, he, he recommended that book. It's on my audible right now from like two days ago. So it's so crazy. That's not a new book, is it? It's been it's out for a year or two years, something like that. Yeah. Several it's years. It's so crazy. You mentioned that. 
It is literally, it's probably my favorite book. I've, I've probably read it five or six times. And in that book, he talks about, he, he talks about the absurdity of the word priorities and how the root word is defined. It should be singular priority. And the fact that we've turned it into a plural priorities is almost oxymoronic on its face. And that has been something that has been so helpful for me to really, you have got to constantly be thinking, what is essential? What can I, I mean, or, or um, is it Pareto's, the 80-20 rule? That has been, I have learned so much about that. That is so true of learning to figure out what are the, what are the things that are valuable? What are the things that are actually um, most productive use of my time? And then cutting out everything else. Because there's all, that's one thing that I've learned about the practice, you know, it's cliche. People tell you all the time, Hey, you're be careful. Your practice, she'll take and take and take and take and take. And she'll, she'll never tell you that's enough. She'll, and, and I always, why is it a woman? Why is it a woman? Why is the practice a woman? Um, Couldn't it be a man? Cause uh, my he wife take and take and take. Cause Charlotte, <laughs> you know, as soon as I said, she, I thought uh, I made a, I might've messed that up. Um, so no, sorry, I interrupted. Just drag Chris. So, I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to go anymore. <laughs> no, you were saying, you were no, saying it, how it'll just keep I going. You can. You can imp- it's ne- if if you want it to be, it can absolutely be never ending, and it can absolutely take all of your time. It can take all of your resources. It can rob you of your time with your children, and you just got to fight against that. And, and because it really can also be simultaneously the thing that gives you all the freedom and all the time and all the flexibility. And so that's been interesting um, wrestling with that. Yeah. I think too, just understanding that there's seasons and that's so true in life. And I feel like as we've gotten quote unquote older and we've talked a lot to our, like our church friends about this, about how like there are definitely seasons of sprints and there are seasons of rest. And so understanding that that's normal, like that is the normal fluctuation of life as God designed it. Um, we have definitely been in a sprint, but we've gotten to the point where we just hired an employee who has been really helpful with some of the back end paperwork, ordering insurance stuff. Um, and so I feel like we're sort of entering into this time where we can not be here every weekend and not be here three nights a week, just do an inventory or just doing some of the nitty gritty stuff that at first you have to do. And just understanding that like, yeah, we got to do this now, but this is not going to be, but this is not how, why we set up the practice and we will set it up differently because that's not what we, how we want to practice and how we want to live. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's a better way to end that, that, uh, that was great. Man, we I, um, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for uh, carving out time in your vacation to talk to us.
They're 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 ketones. The pink drink is ketones. <laughs> yeah. Are you in wow. ketosis right now? I'm trying to get into ketosis. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, one more what, thing. Um, Sorry, we'll go back to ketosis in a second, but I just want to say, um, we, I, we'd love to like help anybody if they have questions. So like, if you have anybody who reaches out to you and they're like, Hey, um, the Abbots just did this, they're a married couple. We're a young married couple. We want to do it. And they've got questions about, um, how to structure stuff or about some of the details. Like we'd love to, to, to chat with people to schedule phone calls or whatever. So just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Awesome. Totally. Going. Yeah. When did you start doing, uh, when did you try to get, start trying to get into ketosis? Um, that's a good question. I've been doing it for about three years. Um, you know, a guy, you know, Tim Ferriss. Yeah. He, he interviewed a guy, Dominic D'Agostino, who's a, um, researcher in South Florida. And he, he, he opened my eyes to a ton of, uh, the science behind it. Uh, there, you open an entire can of worms when you start talking about my health issues and my <laughs> Um, just, I mean, my whole story with breaking my neck and, and, and just dealing with pain. And I have found that uh, ketosis, I, I don't do it. I actually find it problematic because I'm trying to gain weight and I lose weight on ketosis. I realize some people, um, that drives people mad to hear that. But I, I have to, I feel so good mentally clear. Uh, pain is reduced. Inflammation is, but then I'm simultaneously like there's other side effects like I'm losing weight. And um um, we're going to edit this part out of the podcast because I also just lost my train of thought. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for no about a I do I do intermittent fasting every single day. I don't usually eat. Charlotte does it as well. We usually don't eat anything till about noon. Eat from a, like a twelve to seven hour window, and it's just I just feel so much better, so much more energy. Is it weird? Yeah. Then, then you eat for energy, but then eating makes you like tired and sluggish, and you're like, I almost don't want to do it, but. My stomach is audibly growling in the exam room and electrolytes only take you so far. So. You know, I, I, I started probably three years ago, but I guess it would have been, yeah, probably, no, probably two years ago, Eric, I, I started doing it and, and, um, and I would say I'm not, I'm not hugely dedicated to it all the time. You know, I, I can take relative, uh, if I, if I watch what I'm doing, for the weekday, then the weekends, I can kind of take a, a break and I'm okay. Yep. Where I run into problems is, um, is if I, if it's like multiple days in a row where I'm, you know, eating carbohydrate and I love pasta, you know, mm -hmm. you know, uh, ice cream. I love all that stuff. So, uh, it's, it's been hard for me. It's hard for me to do that. And I feel, but it's, it's all about how do I feel right. My, like you said, I'm way more mentally clear. I'm way less foggy. I, I have my, you know, my GI system doesn't always feel like it's just like grumbling. And, um, so like, that's all the stuff that, that I do it for, like not really the, the, you know, health side of it is just mainly how I, how I feel. Mm -hmm. But I'm also uh, like you as like, I will rarely, you know, my eating window is usually be one o'clock and, five or six. So it's even smaller than yours. And that's yeah. always been the case. I, I, so I, I would attribute most of the, of the stuff is just the intermittent fasting, but, um, but kind of having this other, you know, trying to be at least even on the weekends being aware of the carbohydrate intake, because I know that I'm going to pay for it the next day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially with a workout, like uh, your workout. Why did you start doing it? Um, honestly, I, it's a really long story, but I, ever I had, I went to the doctor about three years ago with a lot of fatigue. Um, and, 
just middle of the day, end of the day, I was super tired. Long story short, they did some blood work and I had low testosterone, which at 37 is super weird, but there's some anecdotal information out there about people, males who've had a spinal cord injury for some reason, and they don't know why it is, but they have low testosterone. Anyway, as I was going through that and, and, and working on um, trying to rehab that and get those levels back up, I also took a deep dive into all kinds of stuff, listened to this podcast that sounded fascinating. I started intermittent fasting and was terrified because I was a guy that's like, I'm going to get low blood sugar. If I, I got to eat all the time, if I'm not eating every two hours, like I'm going to, and after like three or four times, I, what I found is like, holy cow, I feel so much sharper, so much more alert. I sleep better. I feel like it, it, I kind of stumbled upon this idea that when I'm in ketosis, my pain is way less, which is fascinating. Um, it's because you're focused on how hungry you are. That very, yeah. well, I don't care. You know, I'm all about the, I'm, I'm yeah. in, Nothing I'm bothers all you because you're just hungry. Hey, I don't, I, I could care less how it happens as long as it happens. But so this is interesting. And, and I won't, I, Typically, I get into ketosis just based on fasting and then, and then a, a, a high-fat diet. Exogenous ketones are new. I, I literally, there you go. That's what I put in my coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what happened to my cholesterol when I did that? Oh, so that's up. why I had to go away. Oh, my gosh. It, so, it, um, so I had to go back when I was, when I was really doing it for the first, like, six or seven months. I was really same thing, like, like that you know, how much, how much heavy whipping cream, how much, how much, uh, pork tallow can I throw in this? And, um, and then my, my cholesterol shot up. I mean, it was, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was total cholesterol was between three and 400, probably close oh to 400. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Eric's dad so, has high cholesterol. He's got to be careful, but he doesn't eat any dairy. No dairy. Really? He's okay. got a, he's got a pretty severe, well, his sister has celiac disease. He probably does also because of how gluten affects him. Um, and dairy does even worse things to him and he actually eats very few eggs. So here's why he's actually really skinny, right? <laughs> Cause he doesn't eat any dairy. So yeah. he eats a lot of avocado, a lot of bacon, um, duck fat, everything gets cooked in duck fat. Um, and right now he's eating like a ton of meat, like meat and then a select few vegetables, but not the cruciferous ones that have some toxins and definitely are bloating. And, um, his diet is just, I mean, he could write a book on his, on his diet probably, but it all comes back to, like he said, he ran to the bathroom, but again, another, um, another little side effect of his spinal cord injury. He can't hold his, his feet. Um, but he, it all comes back to, to pain relief really. And just how, what makes him feel good and function well, because he does have so much, we do have three small children and this practice and, uh, he has to function well. I just, I told him you eat no dairy, but all bacon and avocado and meat. Pretty much all day. Oh, uh, your cholesterol right. stayed okay? What's that? Cholesterol. Um, your cholesterol, your cholesterol stayed fine during that? Yeah, it, it has. I've had it. I haven't checked it nine months, but it, from the first year, my triglycerides were always borderline anyway, which that's another interesting concept when you start talking about like um, particle size and fluffy particles and how there's a lot more to it than just simply the numbers. And I know that's a little bit controversial, but. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> my very controversial um i it has well, very minimally been altered by my diet of high fat foods but no dairy yeah. helps. that's right i well so i the other thing is i went on um i started this and we obviously did it the more traditional way with with um with dairy would you tell them why i don't do dairy 
No, I didn't tell me you had psoriasis. Uh, you I, all of a sudden, I developed horrible psoriasis. So my, I had these plaques all over my legs. Um, it's got a so, lot of issues. <laughs> you. He says, it's boring, but it's my life. <laughs> they all eat Ron, Ron Burgundy, Anchorman. It's boring. <laughs> It's not boring. Um, no, it's not boring. But I think um, you're at a place now where you feel like what you're fueling your body with is not only helping you feel good, but also like actually fueling your body, right? Like, yeah, no, doing like, good. Not, yeah, yeah. Not eating foods that you're definitely possibly allergic to, but definitely sensitive to, you know, like gluten and dairy, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll cut it off there. We could go a whole nother hour about that. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'll let you yep. back to your day. I know you got a patient uh, coming up. Oh, no, you got another hour before. We got an hour. Now we have to do the aging reports for the last three months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be funner. That'll be more fun. Yeah, no kidding. Chris, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah, it. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, have sir. a safe have trip a when you one. come back to Nebraska. Will do. Okay. Absolutely. All right.